All right. We thought after waiting 14 weeks for a new episode, we'd do two in a day, back to back. Bumper, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, Very good. Thank you for tuning in again. If you're joining us from part one, this is part two of our 2021 catch-up, obviously owing to the fact that we were in lockdown for about 12 weeks, 13 weeks. Yeah. If Um, this is the first one you're listening to, go back, hit the first one, then um, hit this for the second one. To be brutally honest, it probably doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter, but, you know, the chat we had before. You know, if you listen to this the first time, you're like, why aren't they talking about what they've done for the last six months? That's true. We did talk about that. Um, so basically, we just go through what we've watched, what we've liked, what we haven't. Um, we went through quite a few good picks from the episode before. We covered off, uh, just for housekeeping, Shang-Chi, <laughs> Black Widow, yeah. The Guilty, Jungle Cruise, mm-hmm. Story of Late Night, Little Nasa's new effort, Montero. Uh, and The Killers, a new album, Pressure Machine. So that's all in part one. Part two, Will, mm. do we want to lead off with another shared effort? Sure. Uh, Marvel's What If mm. was obviously something that came and went during lockdown. Yes. What did you make of What If? I liked it. Initially, it was a little bit, again, like anything though, new that Disney slash Marvel will do safe. But... As it went on, I... How many episodes are there? Seven? I haven't watched the last two. I think the last two were probably the best. Yeah. I should probably make an effort too. But I, my personal fave of the first five, the zombie one. Oh, fuck. I hated the zombie really? one. Really? I hated it so much. Really? Yeah. Um, the, the Doctor Strange one was annoying for me. The Doctor Strange one sort of just kept going. Yeah. It's like, fuck, we it's get like it. one of our episodes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> just wrap it up. Um, yeah. The zombie one was... I liked it. Yeah, I didn't go for it at all. I didn't mind the idea in the Ant-Man one, in the Hank Pym one. Yes. The murder mystery. Yeah. Um, the Captain... What's her name? Marvel. Carter. The Captain Carter episode was... The problem with that was it was fine, yeah. but it was just move the pieces out. Mm. So Rogers doesn't get the serum, Agent Carter does, yeah. and the story basically plays out the same. Yeah. And I think that that would be my criticism, would be that they they didn't get funky enough, probably often enough. Mm. You know, the the episode with T'Challa as, as um, Star-Lord was okay, but again, it felt very much like you've just picked up Peter Quill and drop T'Challa, and you're sort of like, I get it. But the episodes that got funky were sort of the ones you went, this is what you need to be doing in this space. Mm. So the last two, which you haven't seen, are Ultron gets the Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. And you're like, cool. Silly, fun, bit zany. Mm. Ties a few of the earlier episodes together. You're like, yeah, good. So I sort of, I, I quite liked the animation style as well. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. Something different. But you know what it did too? Like, I remember I was sitting there watching it, and given the great success they had bringing back Clone Wars and doing the Clone Wars Series 7 to kind of wrap everything up again, and the last four episodes of that are just out of this world brilliant, um, it just made me go, Disney, don't forget who you are. You're an animation studio. Yeah. That's what you started doing. That's what you made your money doing. You've obviously diverged off into all sorts of extraordinary business ventures since then. 
phenomenal, but your DNA is animation. So that's obviously continued with Pixar and Disney Animation, which have done their own very successful movies. But stuff like this is great, and it needs to be prioritised now that you've got Disney+. Plus. In fact, you need to start doing... I've said for a long time, they've got to do that Indiana Jones cartoon. They have to do it. Look it up on YouTube. Patrick Schoenmaker, Indiana Jones. It's a little 90-second sizzle reel concept of an Indiana Jones animated show. They have to do it. It's just extraordinary that that they would delay or wouldn't see the value in it. Mm. Do a Rocketeer show. Oh, I love the Rocketeer. Like, do a Rocketeer, a fun, pulpy serial about about, um, him in, uh, what was his name, Cliff Secord, in the war. Mm. Just like, you're an animation studio, be an animation studio more than you are at the moment. Particularly now you've got content you need to film. Use your properties better. Um, I thought What If was good on the whole. Mm. Um, like any episodic up and down, it's going to be better than some are better than others. Um, I would give it a probably an overall, probably a six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, it wasn't anything overly... Um, it was, you know, had some interesting points and makes you think about it. Hence the title, What If. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. It's a nice little thing to have there, um, you know, for people that... And, it's again, it's just kind of there for... I don't think someone's going to purposely go out and watch that having not watched all the Marvel stuff. It's something just to, once you, once you you know, finish everything, you go, oh, I've got nothing else to watch. Then there's that, and you go, oh, okay. There's and the strength of it is the little callbacks and the little, the little nods and tips of the cap, and yes. some are obviously... Um, more obvious than others, yeah. but um, that's the fun of watching a show like this to kind of you know pick where the seams are mm. and where the differences are and the similarities. So yep. yeah, I thought it was it was all right. It wasn't fantastically amazing, but uh, it was certainly watchable in its own little way. Mm. What's your next pick, William? Uh, my next single pick is another album. Oh do um, you and your chumps? Um, can't remember whether it was Timbo or. Ganoush that was interacting me interacting with me uh, and I think you were as well saying there's too many songs on it any oh, thoughts Certified Lover Boy Certified Lover Boy yeah how many songs were there so there's 21 songs way too I many I can songs. agree that that's too much if way you, if you scale that songs. down I've liked a third of the album do so for your 10 songs I've liked three and a half that's four's a break even yeah if you get an album anyone a band you like even a band you love if they release an album and there are four tracks on it that you, in this day and age, add yeah. or get constant replay, yeah. that's a good result. Mm. So, yeah, I got three and a half by the maths. Three and a half? No. What's the half? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's nine? 21, so I got a third. More than a third? Yep. Like 40%. Nine out of 21, mm. third. No, it's not. No, it's not. Nine out of 27 is a third. <laughs> well, anyway, nine songs. Um, I'm not, you know, having them on repeat all day, every day. It's something I like at the time of listening to it. A lot of the times, I'll, I haven't gone back and listened to this album as a whole. A lot of the times, I'll then unlike, after listening to things here and there, I'll then unlike songs. and probably I could probably make that six or seven if I really wanted to. Do you ever have that moment where you 
you listen to a song for the first time on your first listen. Yeah. And you're like, love that. That's a really nice little moment. Yeah. And then it feels as though you can't ever find that moment again. Yeah. And you're like, what song is it in? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what have I listened to? Yeah, you're think? like, what was that one that was amazing? But And then you can't, and like, you think it's You listen thing. to the whole album. Yeah. And you're like, it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I must have just... Even that with like playlists, you'll, have, you'll find some random playlist mm. and you like it and you forget to like it. And then you go back into it. You listen to every song. You're like, where is and you're that like trying to find I a liked? title, but then the title's completely different. Um, but again, in the way that uh, in the way that the Grammys work, you'd probably be up there for rap album of the year. Um, however, I think I saw something on Instagram the other day that he hasn't. Uh, I think you nominate songs and albums to be to be voted. I don't think he's nominated the album, which is weird. Mm. I feel like the album would vote very well, considering it's Drizzy Drake. Um, of course. But, uh, yeah, he's just, you know, a... He's a generational powerhouse. Um, I like the day you said that. You were, like, so blasé about it. Usually, you know, you reserve that kind of praise for... You know, uh, Monet or Da Vinci or... He's Generation is not like... I'm not talking sen- like of the century. I'm talking my age. So 27 to maybe... So pro- I would think 20 to 30-year-olds. Let's say, yeah. That's a long time, though. Like, you're, you're, yeah. you're painting this guy. Like before, before, before him, you'd put be, you'd be putting Jay-Z, Eminem, um, groups like Wu-Tang mm. and... Uh, Takashi. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Takashi. Takashi six nine, whatever he's called. Um, he hasn't released a song for a while. Is he alive? Um, he is alive. He's friends with the Nelk Boys. Remember them? Whoever. I vaguely remember you yeah. talking about them. Yeah, he's friends with them, which is extraordinary. Um, but uh, yeah, Drake, Certified Lover Boy. Um, again, yeah, too many songs on the album. I'll agree with you with that, Sean. I don't usually agree with you with, with a lot, but... Uh, well, Killer's album, I think, had 11 songs. Oh, they're just so good. No, but you're like, that's, that's about right. Yeah, I'd say 12 or 13. Well, that's a, about right. And then do some B-sides, some bonus tracks. Yeah. Um, so, again, he's got, he's got one song on there that I love and it kind of takes me back to, you know, early high school. He's got a co- collab with Lil Wayne and Rick Ross. So it's that classic... Does Lil Wayne just laugh all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Rick Ross is like his main sounds like ugh. He's, he's like his 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 ad lib. You know how every rapper has an ad lib. No. Every, anyway, any every rapper has an ad lib, a sound that they make when you, and you know it's them. Oh, okay, I get you. He's his because <laughs> he used to be like hella fat, big beard, tats all over him, and you know he's a big just oaf. That's really probably the only sound he could make um, back then. But sounds like a pretty happening guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, my pick on the album would probably be TSU. I believe the song is actually about, like, Toronto State University. About, you know, girls and, you know, living, loving. Um, I'll and take then, your word for it. And then and a song called Girls Want Girls with Lil Baby. Um, that's got a line out of it that gets used with lots of memes as well. So whether or not they write it to become clipped sound slash meme. Probably. Not sure, but um, I would think that goes into a lot of music writing these days, to be honest. Well, even little things like I've noticed lately on YouTube, there are like 15-second clips 
like like old school you know, vines almost. Yeah, yeah. There's like people are uploading genuinely 15 second clips. Yeah, just to have the sound because people look for the sound. And you're like... Yeah, people look for the sound exactly what it is. Like, <laughs> YouTube sort of went the other way. It went to like yeah. longer form yeah. and then now it's micro. Because that's what people are consuming. Um, like with YouTube shorts and stuff. That's a whole other thing. People, it is. People, get, people make more, more money off their YouTube shorts accounts than they do on their actual YouTube account. Because it's quick, consumable, run ads before a short. Baffles me, but let's do. <laughs> the, st- the ads are like half the length of the clip. It's like on TikTok, you'll get one ad every, you know, 20 swipes maybe. Shorts, you'll get them all the time. There's a lot of ads on YouTube now. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. it's But then that's the way it is. And it's the way how there's fucking TV with lots of ads. YouTube will be the next television. Have we spoken about this before that YouTube need to be ballsy and actually get some live sport. Feel like, like proper live. They need. I've said that they need the AFL should sell YouTube a game. Yeah. Just sell them one game a week, and if you're YouTube, my attitude would be, this is a proper sport. This isn't some bullshit. Like this isn't. Yeah. This isn't slam ball. No. Like it's actually something that has a fan base, has the infrastructure, broadcasting, has all that stuff. Yes, it has a fan base, but the fan base is. 98.7%. Which is why it's in perfect. one country. Which is why it's perfect. Why would you not... I, I guess I would think you'd get a sport... No, no, you log into YouTube. Imagine this. So imagine for YouTube, get a time zone that's like good for like Europe or America. Yeah. And then the attitude is just put it on, put it for free. Just alter the algorithm. Put it yeah. for... And then yeah. no matter where you are, so if you're, you know, it's... Have it when you log into YouTube. The first thing you see yeah. is live now. You know, Carlton versus West Coast Eagles. I would hate to think the rate that YouTube would uh, would give organisations to do that. It'd be fucking ginormous. It'd be enormous, and the attitude would be you could just then skin like they do. You skin the ads per region. Yeah, and you just run the ads. You don't. You don't have during the quarter time breaks. Yeah, yeah. but you just run ads on the lower third. For whatever the region is, it'd be they'd need to do that because what that would do is whet the appetite, get a sport who you could easily convince that needs the exposure that already has the broadcasting infrastructure. It needs to be a bit quirky as well, and AFL is that. AFL mm. is once if you logged in, if you were in fucking Middle of America. Lebanon oh, or whatever, Lebanon. wherever, or if you were in Kansas, yeah, and you logged on, it was like live now, and you saw, you know. Like AFL, a, a reasonably big stadium, and it was yeah. you know lots of fans, and you'd be going, "What's this?" Wouldn't be getting many. Wouldn't be getting many fans at a Carlton West Coast game. Yeah. But free <laughs> to watch, have it just be free to watch. Yeah, and sticker it up with ads during the broadcast and the like. You would get people going. Well, you would get people watching it. Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. Because it's just strange enough mm. as well. It's unusual enough. Mm, maybe say that to your friend. Maybe, maybe I will. Um, stay tuned. Um. So Drake, certified lover boy. Um. Six. Six. Okay. Yeah. It's not not massive praise. Seven. I feel like you're the worst. Your rating system. No, you just <laughs> lean on you a little bit. You're like, you'll give something. You go, I really liked it. Giving it an eight. They'll go, eight's pretty high. You go seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
Go, are you sure about that? Seven? Seven? He goes, six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go any lower than six and a half. And then, it, like, later on, you go, I've thought about it. I'm going to give it a four. <laughs> Just idiot. Uh, so, six. Six. Okay. Six. What about, you said seven. Six and a half. Six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> My next pick is... Uh, the latest from the mind of Canadian filmmaker Denis Villeneuve, June. June. I've now, been wanting to see it. I've got some thoughts about June. You're going to hear them now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to wait. We're going to wait till our next episode to talk about it. Um, June is a wonderful example of movie making for the big screen. It nice. is. It is in this day and age. You know, with the theatrical experience more under threat than at any time yeah. ever with streaming platforms. And yeah. June was released um, digitally yeah. in certain parts around the world as well as at theatres, you know, concurrently. This film, as a pure exercise in movie making, yeah. stands as a reason to go to the movies. Now, right. the production, <laughs> the production design is breathtaking. The scale of the film is absolutely superb. Uh Hans Zimmer's score is fantastic. The sound design itself and the sound mixing is magnificent. It will probably win, I would would say at this stage, it will win the Oscar for sound mixing, sound Mm -hmm. design. It is an absolute achievement in that. Fantastic. But it is so fucking boring. Oh my god, it is so fucking tedious to watch. How long does it go for? Two and a half. Oof. It's a very long novel. They're all long novels and they've only they've only done half of the first one. Yeah. In this particular movie. It's just recently been greenlit for the sequel. Yeah. <sighs> wow. And I, I will fully admit, and I will do the film the justice. I watched it on this the T V at home. Yeah. Because um, we haven't got it in cinemas yet, I will go and see it at the movies because it deserves to be seen on a big screen. Yeah, and I will give it that courtesy because it absolutely earned it. Ho- hopefully, the lights go off. Hopefully, that's always a problem these days. <laughs> it is such you know, as as grand and uh, a technical achievement as this film is, and I said it earlier, it is breathtaking. Mm. When you strip away all that superficial stuff, it is fucking boring. What's it about? So this is the problem, yeah? So I I appreciate that June's problems, that as I see them, aren't really June's fault. So June was written in 1965, mm. and so many parts of it in the years since, in other novels, other media, other films, have been ripped off. Right. So they did a... Um, David Lynch did an adaptation of it in 84, maybe, and just couldn't do it justice in the runtime he had the budget yeah. just couldn't do it justice nowadays you can um basically it's a it's a very classic archetypal story of like a messiah type so house artreides uh, timothy chalamet is the main character paul he's like the prince of house artreides uh the patriarch is oscar isaac's character yeah. and his wife is rebecca ferguson rebecca ferguson has they're basically she's like a like a in this universe she's like a witch She's like a Jedi. Mm. So she has these powers. She's trying to teach her son, um, June, or uh, the planet Arrakis. It's called June because it's a big desert. 
is home to a, a resource called spice, which for the purposes of the story, it's like oil. It's just yeah. a natural resource, a very valuable resource um, that the universe craves and demands and needs. Uh, they are ruled um, by House Harkonnen, who are bad guys. And uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just getting bored even recounting the story because <laughs> we've all seen these films. So House Harkonnen are basically uh, told to leave Arrakis by, let's just call him the Emperor. Yep. We don't ever meet, but he's this big bad guy, tells House Harkonnen to leave and says to House Artreides, you can go in and take control of things and blah, 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 blah. And the long story is that they want to weaken House Artreides and take them out for whatever reason. I don't even care. All the while, they do this and blah, 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 blah. Paul Artreides, uh, like I think I think Oscar Isaac's killed. He's, he's totally ki- I'm yawning. He is, mate. Like it's just, it looks amazing, and there are so many things. You're just going. I haven't necessarily seen something like this. It's fami- It's similar to other big budget these types of movies. But like I said, it looks amazing and it sounds amazing so and what, it's what's unbelievably Zendaya well made. So she plays a member of this little of this tribe, right. who are off in the desert and they're like the indigenous inhabitants. Okay. And by the end of the movie, they kind of team up with the remaining uh, Treaties faction who right. have been somewhat wiped out by an attack on them. And you're like, I've sort of seen this movie in a lot of other movies. Yeah. Star Wars is a bit like it. Avatar's a bit like it. And John Carter of Mars is a bit like it. And like John Carter of Mars, the original Edgar Rice Burroughs books, it's not June and it's not Denis Villeneuve's fault that a lot of other filmmakers and storytellers have strip mined yeah. the novel for good ideas. Yeah. And it does tell a very obvious story of the, the the Messiah joining forces with the indigenous tribe to lead them and blah, blah, blah. Like, even the Matrix a bit convincing you, I my place in this story is as a leader that I might not have seen myself as, but I need to become. And you're like, I've seen this, I've seen this before. Yeah. I might not have seen it done like this, but once you strip all that stuff out, I've seen this movie. Yeah. I've seen this story. Uh, fuck, guys. Gonna need to give me something a bit more interesting, maybe. But uh, like I said, I, I fully appreciate, fully appreciate that um, I haven't done the scale of the film justice just watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favourite, favourite tweets of all time was a guy, uh, did you ever see Gravity? You know, the Sandra Bullock movie? Yes. Fantastic. Similarly, fantastic yeah. achievement. Yeah. And this guy wrote a review on Twitter and he goes, I don't know what all the fuss about gravity is. I watched it on my phone the other day. It was fine. <laughs> and you're like, the, the joke being, you watch it on the phone. Yeah. That's not how you're meant to watch it. You're meant yeah. to watch it at IMAX. Yeah. Expanse of space, the sound and the depth and you know all that, the isolation. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, when you experience it like that, you go, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But when you watch it on TV at home, you go, oh, yeah. Mm. yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't do it justice. Yeah. So I will go see it at the cinema when we can. I think it's out in a couple of weeks. Um, it is on HBO Max of late. Uh, you can acquire it uh, <laughs> by nefarious means if you want. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, it's actually it reminded me, did you end up seeing Tenet? No. So it reminded me a bit of Tenet in a lot of ways where it's this big, technically impressive, overwhelming movie. And so many elements of its production are outstanding. Mm. 
but it's all just a bit cold and heartless and you kind of sit there going, I don't actually care about Paul Artridis. Yeah. Or don't give a shit. Like, in the very first Star Wars, you spend so long with Luke Skywalker because the film wants you to care about him. Yeah. And you do. This film maybe, I think, takes for granted that the audience will... Because he's the protagonist. He's the main character. Of course, they'll care about him. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm kind of reserving judgment on a score until I do experience it in cinema. At the moment, it is a very polarising film for me personally because so much of it is amazing, but so much of it was just boring. Mm. So, that's where I sit on June. Right. Mm. Hmm. Don't know if I will waste the money. I would. I would go and see it at the cinema. Definitely. Maybe that's a without Maddie movie. I don't. I feel like she'll get really angry at you. Yeah. There'll be lots of side eye, Dra- lots of dragging me and going, "What's going on? Why have you done this to me?" Yeah, might be a solo. Like she goes away. Or something. I could have been watching a TV show about <laughs> hot guys on a ranch. Well, I'm all. I'm not quite. I'm almost about to get to that. I'm. I'm not proud of it. Oh no. Um, but I've been dragged in <laughs> by Madeline. Um. And I regrettably enjoyed it. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You're an animal. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not much to say. Everyone knows the concept of Real Housewives. Do you feel like a lesser person? A little bit, yeah. Feel a bit dirty, don't you? Like oh, I, w- I get that. Like when you watch a. Um, X on the beach or something. <laughs> yeah. you, you sort of watch it, you make sure no one's around. <laughs> and if someone if someone walks in, you just change channel. What is this? Who <laughs> <laughs> put this on? Oh, it's just on my phone. I didn't. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> well, why is this say it's recording? This? Don't know. I'm not, not sure. <laughs> oh, it's broken still, isn't it? I didn't press that. Um, so, yeah, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, got sucked in probably halfway through the most recent lockdown. Um, me and Madeline were house-sitting and there was a lot of time to ourselves. And I one day watched it with her and then the next week went, oh, you watching that um, you watching that household again? You did, you did that stupid thing where you're like, I don't know what the title is, but you know exactly <laughs> what it is. What's that, uh, the, the women who, the husbands of... Um... <laughs> yeah, so uh, so she's she's just started on another another Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I, I don't want to get involved in. Um, I'll leave that to her. That can oh, be a... Please. You know, it can be a you'll hurt. be you'll be all over that. <sighs> I don't think I can find the room for another one though. I don't want to. I don't want to. Watch you don't want one. to. No. But you will. But then, like, I only came in. I don't want to start. I don't want to start at the start of the season. I'm happy to come in three halfway, three quarters of the way. Yeah, you can pick up what's going on. There's not like you need to know what happened. Yeah, and and if something's important, they'll put it in the sting at the front of the episode. And they'll flash back. Recently on. Yeah, um, so Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, not much to really talk about. Everyone knows the concept. Um, very, uh, I'm hopeless with words. I was going to say addictable, but that's not a word. Addictive. Addictive, yeah. It's kind um, of a compulsive thing, isn't it? Once you start watching those things, you, you just keep going. Yeah, and it's... Uh, very know, easy to have a routine. Oh, 100%. Full of drama. Um, the drama in this current one is crazy. So there's some big lawyer... He dates this woman that's 40 or 50 years younger than him. Turns out he's stolen a whole shit ton of money from people that have been in like car crashes and had people die in their families. And he was basically funneling money into her LLC 
whatever that is, a, like a business account or whatever, funneling illegal money into her account. She's just tap, tap, tapping away because she's a, she's a gold-digging housewife. And then she's got all this stuff basically from illegal money without knowing because he never had he never gave it's her proceeds access of to crime them. that's a, that's a that is a crime itself yeah so he's never given access to money and she's like well I've had my hands tied for the last 30 years and so that's all going on but then all the friends are like how'd you not know and rah, 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 there's all this blow up or whatever and they're all idiots and um, one of them is Paris Hilton's mum Paris Hilton's auntie that sounds like the sort of thing that crime. Sounds like the sort of thing that that guy would do well to not have on a TV show. Yeah, but then it's all just coming out, and supposedly no one knew about it. But it's all a bit. Everyone's a bit like, hmm, not sure about I you. I had my suspicions. Yeah, and then they're st- instead of just having you know seven tanned blonde women, they've now got you know an Asian housewife, a black housewife. Slowly. Hashtag diversity. Yeah, and then everyone's like super super defensive of the non-white. Housewives, and they were like, How dare you speak to her like that? And they're all like subtly racist, but they're not really subtly. They're like, You know, I like, I I love Hispanics. So, my my mate is, a, is Hispanic, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's absolute dribble. More, I'm more than happy to watch it. Um, I'll be, I'll eagerly await the second half of next season. Oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> My next pick uh, is a really fun little thing that you can find on YouTube. Um, it's called Saturday Night. Now. I reckon I've seen, I've maybe not watched the whole thing, but I reckon it's come across my desk. What do you think it is? I don't know. Keep talking. Okay. Um, <laughs> so with the new season of Saturday Night Live underway, we've had five episodes of the current 47th season, I think. That's crazy. Um, 47th season. People don't realise we spoke about history of late night. Saturday Night Live obviously spun off out of that and the need for that content, that kind of content. And for all the people that always talk about how it's never been funny and it's not funny now and it's never been worse than it is, it's actually never been more profitable than it is. It's crazy. When you look at the financials of what that show brings in for NBC, it's nuts. And you go, there's a reason it's still on. There's a reason they still make it. Because it makes huge money. And same with Neighbours and same with... Absolutely. Yeah. So the new season being going for five eps, um, sort of prior to the new season beginning, um, I'd heard about this, but I'd never watched it. It was another classic example of this show that I'd heard about years ago, but never seen. Mm. And it was just on YouTube one night. I have no idea how I found it. It just popped up. So that. James Franco made this doco. Yeah. And he shot it for like a couple of years... Shot it in one week in particular, um, a week in like 2008 or nine, uh, that John Malkovich hosted the show. And he basically just went behind the scenes for a week yeah. of how they make an episode of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So from the host coming in, pitching them sketches, refining those sketches, talking to the cast who are writing, yeah. what's the creative process, going through rehearsal, dress rehearsal, all the various stages up until Saturday night. Yeah. and. You know, that's the era Seth Myers is on the show, Jason yep. Sudeikis, yep. Fred Armisen, Kristen Wiig, Andy Samberg, the Lonely Island guys. Yep. So it's fun to kind of be a fly on the wall during the process of making the show, talking through it all. Um, it's a little bit like uh, Six Days to Wear, the South Park making of, which mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. That's a brilliant thing, yep. but scruffier because he's shooting it on like a 2009 handy cam. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's 
quite good. I quite like you think about a show that's been running that long, and even for fans of it who really know it inside out, sort of thing. Even for the casual fan, not really a lot's known about how it works. Mm. What's the behind the scenes? What's the process? So it's a really cool kind of look behind the curtain of this TV institution and how it's made, how it comes to be, how it works, um, all the ups and downs, the workload, the demands. Um, it's well, it's a lot like your it's a lot like your late show mm. um, liking as well because you've got it's something that so many people love, so many people know about. It's like a bit like how do they make the sausage? You know that that old saying. You don't want to see how they make the sausage, but you like the sausage. But you kind of like. But give it to me. But I kind of do. Yeah, um, I've never heard that term, but yes, fully agree. Um, it's yeah, anything that someone's very very familiar with, they want to kind of just see what happens. Like I don't need to know. Like I remember, Cadbury released this thing about how they make Easter eggs. We all know roughly how they make Easter eggs, but it was like a start to finish. No, there was audio. That's it. No one talking about it. Rah, rah. You see e- everything from making the chocolate to wrapping to shipping. And you're like, yeah. It's, fucking, it's like there is robots everywhere. It's did crazy. It, did it show the guy getting the runs after eating <laughs> eating it eating a little bit too much? <laughs> Vomiting? <laughs> and being punished? <laughs> no, but, but yeah, just those, those doco-style things that show you things you don't really need it to know. And you, you kind of think you know how it works. Yeah. And how it works is... Sort of how you thought it might yeah. do. Um, but like I said, it's on YouTube. You just search Saturday night, maybe like James Franco, yeah. um, and it should come up. It's, I think, worth a watch. Mm. I'm a big fan. Mm. Uh, and next pick is a shared pick. The Nat Geo six-part documentary series, 9-11, One Day in America. Um, we won't labour about this one sort of too much because I don't know about you, Will, but this is as phenomenal an achievement in documentary filmmaking uh, as you're likely to see, but it is one of the most difficult things I've ever watched. Mm. It, it is, as as brilliant as it is, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Um, they pull no punches. It's the, probably the definitive telling of that particular day. Yeah, I don't think there can really can be anything else about, you know, 60 minutes can make all the... All the you know, under investigations they want, but it's, I watched, I think, the first two. Because the first one was like a double app. Yeah. Was it? Uh, it was a bit longer? Yeah, ma- yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, And I watched the first two and I had to go do something where I was like, fuck, I could sit here, watch everything, everything right away. Mm. And then I just, again, you watch something that's so good, you fall down rabbit holes, my YouTube recommended for the next three or four weeks was all nine eleven stuff. I did. I went through it. I like did all the watched all the walkthroughs of One World Trade oh, Center yeah. and what it looks like now. Yeah, and you know, ASIO probably would have been a little bit concerned God, about about my search history. Guy. He's watching a lot of porn <laughs> yeah. and a lot of nine eleven <laughs> videos. I really can't Unreal. stress. I, I can't, cannot stress how well made. Like it's just it is so thorough. It is so brilliantly put together. It is absolutely um, it's like it's distressing at times. Mm. You're sort of watching it and you just... You don't want to watch it, but then you're like... How do and, I... and not in a macabre, morbid way. No, it's really no. weird. It's really hard to kind of... But just the human side of all the stories, just the, the toll it took on everyone involved. You know, they don't... Like I said, they don't they don't sugarcoat, sugarcoat a single moment no. of the day. Um 
it is brutal, a brutal, brutal watch. But at the same time, I think it's actually a really, really important watch. Yeah. I think it's a really worthwhile thing to watch. Um, it's really emotionally draining. Yeah. But it has to be. Mm. Um, it's a bit like I'm not comparing it to this in a sense that, um, you know, 9-11 really happened and it's a, just the, the worst day of our lives in, in terms of the human, um, you know, on, on just humankind for us in our little bubble, mm-hmm. you know, Western culture. But <clears throat> one of my, one of the best movies I've ever seen is a film called There Will Be Blood, Daniel Day-Lewis, and he plays an oil prospector. It's not a film you can just throw on because mm. it's, it's a, at times it's a tough watch, like it's a brutal watch, but mm. it's, it is such a brilliant thing that you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching it yeah. at least once and experiencing the film. And in much the same way with this, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch it once. Once will probably be enough. Yeah. I might watch it again. Oh, five years' time, we'll go back to it. But look, I think that on the 20th anniversary, um, to come out with such a moving... Like I said, it's not a tribute. It's a a definitive recollection of the day. Um, Would have been an extraordinarily arduous task for them to put together. But the guys are Nat Geo, and it's on Disney Plus, and you can mm. you can watch it on Foxtel. Yeah, it is just fantastic storytelling. Could possibly be any more footage or no and photos it, it, available, and it doesn't lean into any of the conspiracy stuff. It's just a no, real up and down all. story of this is what happened, this is how it unfolded, the responses, yeah. you know, and all that. So, nine uh, eleven, one day in America, absolutely brilliant, brilliant um, sort of document of. A terrible, terrible day. Yeah, which is um, a, a wonderful achievement. To be brutally honest, it's and if you're not overly emotional, oh, it's pretty. It, it it's quite watchable. But for someone who you know cries at this little a TV ad, don't put yourself through it. You won't be able to do it. No, you won't get past like, the second I, episode. I couldn't have watched this with Maddie. She cries at. They it. obviously they focus on you know the falling man and yeah. stuff like that. It's just you know the story. We just we don't want to. But the story of the, the helicopter pilot who goes up and, and he's basically saying, we couldn't land on the roof as the smoke is billowing out of yeah. it. Said, but if there was one person up there, because we would have, because yeah. we, 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 we tried to find if people could get up to the roof to and, get and them the out. And the way they did that, you said, you thought, oh, shit, there was obviously someone up there. Why would they be telling this story? And then you're like, oh, fuck. Like... And then obviously, yeah, this the people's decision to I've I've got to get out, yeah. and it was just awful. And um, yeah, I can't stress it enough. It's a phenomenal piece of filmmaking mm. um, that does deserve to be seen by uh, anyone, really, and everyone. Mm. Um, my next pick, Changing Lanes, enormously. It's probably <laughs> not great to go from that to this, but um, when I used to work at a video shop, and I've told the story before. This will be the last as well. I've done them another. So. I've got one more after this. Excellent. Um, so wh- when I used to work at a video shop, you know, you'd walk past all the covers. Yeah. And even if you haven't seen the film, you know the cover. Yeah. You can just see it. Yeah. And this is a film that I'd walked past hundreds of times and didn't give a second thought to. UHF. So the cover was Weird Al Yankovic with like a crazy expression on his face like glasses. I could see it clear as day. So UHF is this really quirky little high concept sort of comedy fast movie. Mm. And the point I'm kind of quote reviewing it is because these sort of films aren't made anymore. Mm. 
but they should be. Right. So this was made in 1989. Mm-hmm. Goes for about 90 minutes. It's a comedy. Has a very, very simple take-it-or-leave-it premise. The basic premise is a creative daydreaming slacker played by Weird Al Yankovic uh, gets fired for the umpteenth time from his you know, go-nowhere job. He's working at like a, a McDonald's-type fast-food restaurant. Yes. What's he going to do? He's been fired again. Where am I going to go? Oh, I just can't do this. I just can't do these jobs, blah, blah. He catches a break when his uncle wins a small TV station on the outskirts of town in a game of cards. So take it or leave it, stupid premise. His uncle wins a UHF, very um, short-range TV station. It would basically be like um, not even Melbourne, but an area of Melbourne having a TV channel that's only in this area that services like hundreds of thousands of people, Mm. but it's not in the whole of Melbourne. It's not in Victoria. Like like in like Wynn, you know, Shepparton, your own little station. So... I think they're in Chicago from memory. Not important, but that sort of thing. But he ends up Channel 60. Okay. This UHF station on the outskirts of town. I've won it in a card game. Uh, I need someone to run it. You can run it. Yeah. So he goes out and runs it and sets the station up and they start having a bit of success and getting some viewers running silly programming. It stars a pre-Seinfeld Michael Richards. So before Kramer. Mm. Fran Drescher, before she was in The Nanny. Yeah. Has a, a, bit of, a bit of a role there. And the enemies are the top end of town, the big network affiliate TV station yeah. who wants to run them out of business. Yeah. It's silly. It's actually not probably very good. But I sat there watching it thinking, and I made a list here, like this sort of stuff, a film like this, is absolutely perfect in the day and age of streaming. Mm. It goes for 80 to 90 minutes, easily digestible comedy, Put like a Weird Al Yankovic at that time had done his parody songs, but he hadn't done acting, so it was a bit of a let's see how he goes as yeah. a leading man in a film. And he's not terrible, like he's not he's not awful. What he's doing now? Oh, probably just living a pretty comfortable little life Royalties. for himself. Yeah. Um, but it's this funny, like almost pirate radio type thing where upcoming filmmakers or actors, writers, come up with a stupid little film that's cheap to make, quick to make. Just easy enough to watch. Mm. Doesn't take up much of your time. You take it or leave it. The film finishes and you go, that was all right. <laughs> it was okay. So you think about it. Did you ever see the Justin Long film Accepted? So he wants to get into college. Jonah Hill's in it, a very young Jonah Hill. He doesn't. No. He wants to get into college. No, no. He doesn't Super get accepted. Was my first Jonah Hill movie. Well, he doesn't get accepted into this college he wants to go to. Yeah. So to buy himself time to get his dad off his back, he basically creates a fake, a fake college. Right. I've been accepted into this, it's called the South Harmon Institute of Technology yeah. shit. I've been <laughs> accepted into this and just to fool his dad, he it's an old mental institute yeah. and he dresses it up like it's a university. I've just got to fool him for one day and I'm going to figure it out the rest yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Unbeknownst to him, to make the forgery seem convincing, they set up a website. Yeah. People think it's a real university and they start turning up. Yeah. And it's just a classic, once again the university, the proper university down the road are the bad guys. They want yeah. to put them out of business. This university gets itself a bit of traction and the students start enjoying life and learning things. It ends up becoming a proper school at the end of the movie. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Goes for 90 minutes. Daddy, I think, daddy Daycare. I think Blake Lively's in it. Um, daddy Daycare. Go yeah. All these silly little films. Yeah. Not enough concept. Cheap to make. Quick to make. Quick to watch. Bang. You go, there is such... Like an appetite for this sort of film now. Mm. 
but they kind of don't get made. The Guilty is a funny one where it's not a comedy, yeah. but it's in a similar vein. Yeah. That wouldn't have took long to make. Wouldn't no. have cost much money to make. No. Perfect. Put it on streaming. Yeah. We need content. We need new content. Ticks enough boxes. Um, like you think about, like I made this note, I looked it up because I thought 1989. Mm-hmm. Making it more of a curiosity, you look at when it was released. So in 1989, Batman, The Abyss, Back to the Future 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2 and Ghostbusters 2 all come out. Like massive movies. You'd have to think it's off season. Massive summer of movies, like crazy year yeah. for movies. But then you think about in and around that time, 1989, like similar films come out. You've got Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Burbs, Turner and Ooch, Weekend at Bernie's, Look Who's Talking, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm. You're kind of like, Hollywood doesn't operate like that anymore. No. And I think we're poorer for it. We get big, big movies, yeah. little indie flicks that are usually not comedies. They're yeah. usually and dog shit. dramatic films. Yeah. Or studio comedies, yeah. which are a bit safe and a bit... <laughs> but I'm, it's not a very good movie, mm. but I'm glad it exists. Yes. And when you watch it, it's a fun curiosity that you go, huh, mm. what a curious little movie this is. <laughs> but it's it's just fun that yeah. it sort of harks back to a different era when Pee-wee's Big Adventure and stuff like that would come out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, UHF, strange film, probably not worth a watch, but interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Um, I've actually got two left. I might breeze through these very quickly. Val, which is on Amazon Prime, about Val Kilmer. Right. Um, it's a it's a kind of like a memoir. Okay. So Val Kilmer, early in his career, would film a lot of stuff, like on sets. He would film mm. like on a home you know, yeah. handicam. Yeah. He would film just his day-to-day and mm. audition tapes and family stuff. And like I said, you know, in between on movie sets, like he's got great footage from like Top Gun um, and he kind of just goes through his career, really, and it's a really, it's a really cool little, yeah, memoir kind of compiled from thousands upon thousands of hours of his own archival footage. So, mm. his work on the stage as a young actor at Juilliard, his work on Top Secret, yeah. uh, which was fun, Top Gun, a little bit on Willow, where he played. I was a bit disappointed because I love Willow, yeah. and he played the character Mad Mardigan, mm-hmm. and he's he didn't really have a lot from Willow, so he might not have been filming it little bit of stuff about Batman Forever and he's he's sort of taking that role and feeling very isolated and restricted by it, which was really interesting to hear him talk about audition tapes that he himself put together for like Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Um, Goodfellas, where he, he sent this off to Martin Scorsese to play Henry Hill, yeah. which was really, really fun. Um, the Doors as well, which gets a bit of airtime in this movie. It was a big movie. It's just these lovely little home videos, yeah. like an intimate look at his life. It was really, really fascinating. So I think in much the same way, Jim Carrey did a film a couple of years ago called, or didn't do it, but uh, f- uh, it was based on Man on the Moon, where he played Andy Kaufman. He did a thing called Jim and Andy, yeah. where it was basically a behind the scenes kind of look at the making of that film and his process as that character. Yeah. It's a bit like that, but spans a really long period of time, and it's just far less pretentious. It is a tough watch at times, only because Val now's not in the best of health. He had a, a throat cancer, so unfortunately, he's like lost his voice. He's got one of those like voice box things, yeah, right. not a voice box, but he has to covers it and he has to speak, and he's very you know, eh. it's not, it's not. So you feel for him there because you're like, what's an example? His Goodfellas audition, for instance. Yeah, 
So he does this Goodfellas audition tape. And you watch it and you're like, this isn't bad. Like, this is actually quite good. Yeah. But you're, you're, too, you're too handsome to be this character. Because, mm. like, you think about, like, Val Kilmer in the mid to late 80s, early 90s. You're like, you're a handsome dude. Yeah. Like, you're a good-looking rooster, mate. Yeah. You're like, you're just, you're just too, yeah. too good-looking to do that. Going for roles you probably shouldn't. But, like, really good acting roles mm. that you would do a good job in. Yeah. Had a bit of Tombstone, which was great. He was unbelievable in Tombstone. So it kind of covers that part of his life now that he's really can't do anything. Yeah. Um, and his family and his kids and his now ex-wife and yeah. his mother passing away and stuff like that. So really, really good. Really, really recommend it. It is on Amazon Prime. It's yeah. called Val. Val. And then lastly, uh, this only aired on Friday. It's a four-part documentary series called Fever Pitch, The Birth of the Premier League. Yeah. Um, again, on Amazon Prime. Um, I was buying some uh, Christmas presents, so I got Amazon Prime. Um, I cancelled it immediately, so I've only got it for until the 1st of December. Yeah. Um, in fairness, my interest in this doco is really because the Premier League starts 92-93, the doco goes all the way up to the end of 99, and I don't know if they'll do another season for the next period of time. I hope they do, because it was really, really good to watch. Yeah. But the reality is my interest is underpinned by the fact that well, Manchester United were like positively integral to yeah. that period of time. Yeah. So, you know, rivalries with Blackburn and Newcastle and Arsenal are covered. Characters like Eric Cantona and Alex Ferguson, David Beckham, you know, Rupert Murdoch's attempted takeover of the club in 1998's covered. So I'm clearly, as a United fan, yeah. the documentary is not about United. No. It's a fair bit. But it sort of has to yeah. be to tell all the important stories at that time. Yeah. United is sort of central to all of them. Yeah. So for me, it was a really good fun watch. Awesome, really well put together, you know, account of how the game changed and why it changed, how pay TV changed it, the presentation on the broadcast. They speak to David Hill, who's the Australian sports producer, mm-hmm. who was massive behind it. Not and the mid-2000s Essendon Ruckman? No, no, not, uh, not him. <laughs> it's Hill with uh, Noe. Oh. Um, but... You think about it, they basically, this, this moment in time when the, the old First Division severs, it becomes the Premier League, then it goes on to Sky TV. Like, the English game was suddenly, like, accessible to this broad international audience. And more than that, they became receptive to the ideas of an international audience. So, international coaches, international players. Mm. A very insular English game all of a sudden was this sort of this foreign commodity mm. and it happened in the you know, early to mid nineties and continues to happen today. But up until that point, it was just, it was very England with their own little Island with Britain. And it was the English premier league was all the first division was largely made up of English, Scottish, Welsh, yeah. Irish, Northern Irish players. And that wasn't really great for the game. Mm. The teams were big. There was money in the game, but this was an enormous step in the game becoming, like I said, this global asset. Um, and there would have been backlash. 100%. Sure. 100%. And the doco goes through that, yeah. which is all very interesting. And in England, football hadn't really grown for since they won the World Cup. Yeah. There was this big investment in the game leading up to the World Cup in 1966, which they win. And then they kind of dine out on that for 25 years. They get banned from Europe in the mid-80s because of hooliganism. You know, they have the Hillsborough disaster... Um, the fire at Bradford a bit you know, later than that, but they've got all these horrible incidences which just made the game like just not appealing to anyone but angry men. Mm. 
and this was a really important step in it becoming accessible for families, kids, yeah. women, and becoming what it is today. So, um, like I said, Amazon Prime, mm. Fever Pitch, four-part documentary series available now. What are they, hour, hour and a half? Uh, they're about 50 minutes each. Okay. Uh, from memory. Um, but really good. Like, really, mm. really good watch. Like I said, um, I only saw the ad for it early last week. Cool. Um, so that was pretty cool when you're like, oh, when's it out? It's out in three days. Yeah. You go, oh, cool, I'll watch Sweet. it. Um, excellent, 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 Will. So we didn't do our pick of the part one episode. Uh, so our... I'll just make a note here. Let me go back. What was your... Uh, uh, first, you know, part, part one, my pick would probably be... What were our shared other than Shang-Chi? Give me a moment. Give me one moment. Shang-Chi. Yeah. There's another shared in there. Black Widow. Uh, I'll stick with Shang-Chi. The Guilty. For my first pick. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Little Nass. Yeah. You're not having Little Nass? No. Close, but I'll stick with Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Good, good little Marvel refresher. Um, Post-lockdown. I will probably also go with Shang-Chi. Although, I will give a very special mention to the story of Late Night. And Pressure Machine, which I did quite like mm. as well. Um, and then my second, probably, my part two will probably be Drake. Just because, you know, first album, well, not first album in a while, but, you know, because he touches on some new Drake, some old Drake, um... I guess he's, you know, making albums to just please the masses now. He can mm. kind of kind of do whatever he wants, but he's got a bit of everything for everyone. Um, made Dondo by fucking Kanye look like tripe. Apparently it was not good. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so Drake, Certified Lover Boy, and Shang-Chi are my okay. picks. My pick will be, I reckon it'll be Saturday night. That's fair. I think yeah. we, we don't need to label... I, 9-11 is absolutely worth a watch. Oh, yeah. 100%. Unreal. Um, it, it is, a, like I said, a very difficult watch. But look, Saturday night I really enjoyed... I really enjoyed Fever Pitch, as I just said. And and even Val, you know, for people of a certain age who are familiar with Val Kilmer's work, um, is a really fun little sort of memoir on the screen. So mm. not too many of that second group that I wouldn't recommend, to be honest. Um, June... Is like I said, when it comes out at cinemas, just for the experience of seeing it at the cinema, will be will be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. That wraps us up. How good. Excellent. That's actually relatively okay. I think they're sort of an, an hour-ish each. Half it. That's not bad. No. Very. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, I was expecting like a three-hour sort of vibe, but we're good. We've shown some growth in the 13 weeks we haven't seen each other. (laughs) Uh, Fantastic, Will. Thank you so much for coming down and having a chat today. It's been wonderful. Where can people find you? Uh, They can find me at Willie P on everything. How do we spell it, Sean? Two uh, L's, two Y's, two P's, two E's. Excellent. Yes, well done. I I almost forgot one of them. Um, (laughs) And uh, where can they find you, Sean? Sean Peterbudge, all one word. Lovely. That's that's me. See me getting Um, in arguments with Americans about gun control. (laughs) <laughs> on Twitter, don't know if you saw that. That was I think I think I did see that. It was um, extraordinary. Will extraordinary. Yeah, my Twitter isn't overly active at the moment. I'm just doing a lot of stalking of certain topics. Um, 
That's what social media is about, stalking yeah. people. Yeah, but some, some people are quite active. I think in lockdown, I just got bored of it, to be honest. Um, I think in lockdown, you kind of, we all went super online, yeah. initially at least, because yeah. we had to. And then now there's probably that withdrawal of, yeah. you can actually see people. So. My, my Twitter got hacked, so I got locked out, and then I got back in. But then I lost the login. Is that I, didn't, when I didn't lose the login. I That makes more sense. Was that that period of time when you were actually like lucid and intelligent and like nice on Twitter? Probably. Someone stole your account. Yeah. Um, so then I... You're like, I, you're using it better than me. Uh, I'm not logged in to the Weekly Watch's Twitter, but I'll endeavour to get back in. Um, well, they better not have hacked our account. That, that's a, there's a lot of intel on there. They might have. <laughs> they might have gone, no, this isn't worth it. Who knows? Um, excellent, yeah. excellent, excellent. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. That's right. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, hopefully like two to three weeks. I, th- I think that's doable. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Thank you very much for listening in. We'll catch you next time. Hope you like it.